Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about a question. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Knowing the difference between those two and what a thermostat person looks like and what a thermometer person looks like will really help one to be a leader on their team, in their community, in their family. Welcome to the Sportlight Podcast for parents, coaches, and athletes. The Sportlight refers to the time in an athlete's life when they have increased ability to affect the culture around them and the increased opportunity to learn life's lessons through sports. This podcast aims to help parents and coaches capitalize on their athletes' precious time in the Sportlight. The Sportlight Podcast is brought to you by Especially for Athletes program. I want to ask you guys a question. Um, the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. Okay, who can tell me the difference? Pretty easy question, I hope. I hope we know the difference between a thermometer. Okay, what's the difference? Thermostat can like change the, you know, a feeling in the room, a hot cold. Yep. Thermo- uh, thermometer like reads it. Reads it, right? You guys got that? So a thermostat changes the temperature, right? The room's hot. We can change the thermostat, make it cooler, make it warmer, whatever. Thermometer just tells us what, it just adjusts to the heat. It tells us how warm it is, okay? Jaron, as a quarterback in high school and in, and in college, the quarterback has to be, would you agree with me, he's got to be a thermostat, right? He's got to be a guy that when he walks into the room, the weight room or the huddle, he's got to change the temperature of the room. Now, he'll change the temperature of the room either way because he's the quarterback, you, as athletes, change the temperature of the room either way because of the sport line. The question is, are you changing it for good or bad? Now, thermometers are people who just adjust to the temperature. If it's going to be a negative day today, then I guess it's going to be a negative day because the leaders on the team have made it such. right? The coaches made it such. It's raining outside, so we're going to complain about it. We're, therm- we're thermometers. We just adjust to whatever we're given. Thermostat guy says... I'm going to make this a positive or I'm going to make this a negative experience. Jaron, is the quarterback at BYU? If you're a thermometer and you're down at the goal line and there's 80,000 people watching you and you got to call a play in the huddle, you decide to change the play. You're the thermometer. You're not a thermostat. You're not a guy that they, that they saw you know, doing things the right way. What's that reaction from your teammates going to be in the huddle when you decide to change the play? Go ahead and... And what's the yeah. what's the negative or positive of being the thermostat or the thermometer in that moment? Um, we all play sports. We all have teams for the most part, right, for most of our sports. You can kind of feel the energy from your teammates when things are going good. Uh, when, you, when your coach calls a certain play that you like, everyone gets excited, they know, or if you don't believe in it, or you don't believe in someone who's supposed to say, shoot the winning shot, you can feel that. So the quarterback, if you go in there and you call a play, you're the thermometer just kind of reflecting what is going on at the time, your team's not going to really get behind you, right? They're not going to give everything they can to that play, and that'll affect the result of it. And so as a thermometer and a leader, it just doesn't go well together. What about Allie as a point guard? You've coached point guards, you've played point guards. When we say eyes up, that's a phrase that basketball coaches use a lot, right? When you're coming down the floor, you probably keep your eyes up. you got to be looking for stuff. As a point guard on the team, I heard Coach K at Duke said, if you're the point guard on my team, you have to be more than just a lead-by-example guy. Sometimes if I said, what's a good leader? Everyone, A lot of people say lead-by-example. True, that's great. But Coach K at Duke said, I need my point guard to be more than just a lead-by-example guy. He's also got to be vocal. 
Like he's got to speak up and talk. He's got to, in other words, he's got to be a yeah coach on the floor. He's got to be a thermostat, right? As as a coach, when you're recruiting kids or you're evaluating talent, how important is it when you're looking at the girls that you recruited or coached to have thermostats on your team? You can have a lot of great athletes, skilled players, but if you have someone that can set a temperature to the level that will make your team successful, you're going to choose that that player all day long. And as a player, quarterback, point guard, going in to these situations, you can tell if your team believes in you or not. And whose fault is it if they don't? And so I think it's really, really important that when you go into these situations, whether it's a coach saying, what player do I trust to put the ball in their hands in this moment? Or I want to be that player. You better do all of the things necessary so your team wants you to be that player as well. And it, it's not just by example. It's it's verbal. It's it's through everything that you how you treat your teammates. It's more than that. And as a coach, you're looking for those kids, and you can you can test that. You can see that quickly. You guys can see it as spectators. You're thinking that play was just called for that person. We're in trouble, right? Well, hey, Dustin, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Chad. Good. That was a clip from one of our summits. The I think that was the Lehigh Summit that we played that one from, but this is a concept I've heard you talk a lot about, and I think is really important for people to consider the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. Why do you think that as a football coach and as someone who's encouraging young people to go out and impact the environment around them, why do you think that difference between thermostat and thermometer is so important for people to think about which one they are and yeah. Uh, that concept of general, just tell me what your thoughts on that. Well, in, in all of my years, both, you know, playing in, in high school and college and then being around sports ever since um, as a career, I've, you know, when you talk about leadership um, and you talk about just the, the glue guys, the guys that are girls that really are the, that keep the team together you start looking at what common denominators are in those people. And this is the same in business. And I've seen it in, in business as well, or just in any group setting where you have any sort of team atmosphere, you have certain people that are thermometers and, and you need to have thermometers. They need to be the types of people that can adjust appropriately to the temperature of the room. Um, some people are neither, they're neither thermostats or thermometers. They're, they're off, right? So the room may be a optimistic, positive, happy environment, but you have that one person in there that, you know, has a problem for every solution, right? They just can't seem to get on board or gauge the temperature of the room. So they're not even a thermometer. Um, and those are the ones that are, they're, you know, they're, they're holding the, the ship down. They're, they're impeding progress, um, you got to be careful with those people. But then you have the other people that are thermometers and they adjust to the temperature. And if it's a negative temperature in the room, they're negative. If it's positive, they're positive. But then you have the special people, the glue people, the ones who keep things together. And they're the thermostats and they're um, they're rare. Um, so when we were at that particular summit and I asked that question uh, of Jaron Hall, I, I've had this conversation with Jaron for years Um and he's a big time top 20 college quarterback right now in the country. Some, some might say top 10. Uh, I'd be one of those <laughs> that say top 10. Um, 
but he's the type of guy that's a thermostat. What I mean by that is, is that when he and people like him, um, and we all know these types of people, when they walk into the room, the temperature changes. Um, now, there are bad thermostats, just like in this same example with you, you could use this metaphor, I guess, with leaders. Their leadership is something that some people are really good at and they're but they're bad. They're bad at what they lead at. They lead for poor things, for bad things. You know, a thermostat could come in and change the temperature in a negative way. Um, but the ones who are the positive temperature changers, who when they walk into the room, it just changes. You just feel a difference. You feel their presence there, their light or their energy or their excitement or passion or, you know, just their their desire to see things go forward. And you want to be around them and they just bring a warmth to the room and, and they sort of flip on the switch for everybody. You know, those are the kind of people that that if you can find them and you have them in your organization or in your team, and you can get people to lead those people. It makes the job for the CEO or the job for the coach or whomever a lot easier because you just say, hey, just do what they're doing. You know, when they come in, we're going to get stuff done. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to find those people. And, and the more we can surround ourselves with those types of people, the more I think we progress as individuals. I love that that concept. And when you were teaching it to the athletes there, I thought about that. We've talked about it before that formula E plus R equals O event plus response equals outcome. And, and the thermometer people, they're just kind of like event equals outcome, you know, whatever is happening. That's, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thermostat people really seem to gauge the temperature. I mean, thermostats do everything thermometers do. They gauge the temperature but then they also adjust it. You know, if it's too hot, they make it yeah. cooler. If it's too cold, they make it they make it warmer. And and that response is everything. And so I had a few questions for you, just with your coaching experience on that. Um, when the temperature's too high on a team, you know, like when a when a team is all worked up, and uh, yeah. I, I know you've had some experiences with this, even with, uh, the way other teams treated your team as they come onto the field or whatever. And sometimes emotions get really, really high. And that's not the optimal temperature to stick with that analogy for a team to be functioning at. And you train quarterbacks, which are really should be ultimate thermostats, right? Yeah. Um, what do you, if we want to bring down the temperature in an appropriate way, how would you suggest an athlete, a coach, a parent when the temperature is too high in the house? Like what are some of the things you've learned are most effective to kind of settle a team and bring them to a, a better an optimal temperature? Well, you, you may remember a couple of weeks ago and maybe people who are listening to this, uh, this episode, remember a, a, a social media post that I did where I talked about the holes in the tank and, and how we our own personal tank sometimes get emptied mm -hmm. um, and we don't know why. We just don't have the same energy one week as we had the week before. And oftentimes that because that's because we have some holes in the tank. Um, and the idea is to have 100 percent of tank. You're full of fuel when you need it all. In the case of, of athletes, 
you know, I've all, and I've learned this the hard way. I learned this in high school and then especially in college where I completely changed my routine for getting ready to perform. It was, it used to be, I was so worked up and, and so focused from the second I woke up until the start of the game. But what I felt like I was doing was I was burning energy. You know, I, I was, it was taking so much energy to stay so ultra focused and even the music I would listen to is this pump up music all day and, and hours before the game that I was ready to go like four hours before the start. I was ready. Right. I was on it. And, and you got to have that edge. You want you want your players to have that excitement and that adrenaline. But if you do that for too long, in my personal opinion, this, this could be different by others. I just feel like, you know what, I, I usually did my best at practice or when I was in the backyard or wherever, when I was just loose and free and just reacting off of muscle memory and not overthinking things. Right. So I changed my philosophy to hold on to that, relax, have fun. Um, once it's time to get ready for the game, to me, that was, you know, an hour or so, two hours or so before the game, I kind of start pacing myself. And then when it was 30 minutes before go time, all right, now it's time to flip the switch and get into go mode, but I hadn't burned all that fuel earlier. And so I try to tell the kids I coach, Hey, if this helps you, helped me let's not be freaking out about you know banging our head against the lockers four hours before the game because <laughs> we don't need that energy right now right and so and when parents show up to games with that same attitude that same just on edge just waiting for something to light the fuse especially if you're somebody who has a short fuse mm-hmm. it's not going to take a lot to light it and you come into the game and you're already ready, you know, you're already looking for the one mistake by the umpire, right? Or the one, the one thing that the coach does to your daughter that you didn't like, and then it sets you off. And so I think it's, we know, I, to some degree, I think we know ourselves. And for me, it, it's breathing. It was listening to different types of music. I didn't want to listen to all the pump up music hours and hours before the day. I'd actually listen to classical music hours before the day. I wanted to be as calm and relaxed and as free as I could. And then when I got closer to the game, then I switch it on and, you know, and I play the, I play whatever I need, wanted to play to get myself into that mood. But, you know, it's, I think it's a personal thing, Shad, and so other people might, but, but to that, I guess to answer that and answer my own comment that I just made, or to clarify that personal, I think it's, we've got to find out what works for us. So we need to maybe experiment a little bit and find out what are those things that, you know, maybe change our temperature one way or the other and make sure do some things to have it be where we think is optimal for us at the time that it really matters. And and for me, that wasn't on the bus ride over. I didn't need to have it then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think of these team leaders that come in, you know, the, the Jaron Halls of the world, right. That walk into a huddle and they're making the, uh, like they set the temperature of a room. You, you shared the example at our, uh, summit of Tom Brady, you know, when Tom Brady walks in a room, does the temperature change? Yeah. Does the expectation change? Yeah. And so I think that every now and then you get a leader, um, who is like super either tight, (laughs) you know, like, uh, we've experienced this together, you know? where um where you're playing a good team or something like that and it's like oh you can't even watch that team take bp or you know you can't it's just like this tight loose unfun feeling and every now and then 
just because of the situation, because of the game, because of the importance of the game, you know, maybe you're playing your rival or, or whatever it might be. There just enters in this, like the temperature just keeps getting ramped up, ramped up, ramped up. And, and it takes a leader to be able to say, Hey guys, come here, you know, like, let's, let's cool the jets a little bit. Let's just relax and do what we've practiced. And, and, uh, not just react to whatever the temperature yeah. is. And, and some leaders just have a unique ability it, yeah. to know the optimal temperature. And I think that that's something that's really important for leaders to think through, you know, for a coach, for example, to take their, their team aside and to have the conversation that you just had, like, let's talk yeah. about our team. What's our optimal temperature. Yeah. And then how can you as a leader on the team help us get to that temperature? You know, when we're too yeah. low, yeah. how can you raise it when we're too high? How can you lower it and actually yeah. work on those skills? I think that's critical, Shad, because we might assume that we, yeah, we've got some, we've got some, uh, some thermostat type guys in our business or, you know, in, on our team or whatever, but yeah, you might, but they might be poor ones. They might be ones that change the temperature in a poor way. So you're, you're right in that we got to find those guys or girls and then teach them how to be the ones that change it in a, you know, in a positive and, and how to react to things. Um, it's funny. You said this, I was just this weekend was, you know, watching a couple uh, movies and trying to decide what to watch. And I was kind of, you know, just scrolling through and I, the, the Midway movie Midway was on the, of the battle of Midway and um, that, you know, that epic battle in world war two. And they were, I just watched five minutes of it, but this particular scene, the American dive bombers, fighter jets were, were fight, were attacking these battleships out in the ocean, the Pacific ocean of the Japanese. And one of the Japanese officers started to get his voice changed. He got a little bit animated when he pointed to the to the general or to the, and said, Hey, we're, they're coming in from the South or whatever. And this guy, the guy in charge on the ship turned to one of the officers and he said, Hey, watch your tone. You're an officer. And then he went on to, and, and I thought, wow, that was interesting. He's, you know, he, he discussed the, Hey, relax. You're an officer, settle down. You're an officer, something to that tone, meaning people are watching you. You can't react you know, we, you need to stay in the, because people will react to how you react. And if they see you panicking and if they see you upset and frantic, then the others that are watching you, in other words, you're a thermostat. You cannot get worked up right now, or the rest of the ship's going to get worked up. People are watching us and how we react to this moment. Stay focused, get your orders in, get your men where they need to be, keep them focused on their job because if we, we've trained them for this moment. Right now, if we lose our heads and we lose our cool, they're going to lose their heads and their cool. And all the training we did is going to go out the window. It's the same thing on the sidelines. The best coaches in the world, they don't get too worked up one way or the other. You don't see them pumping their fists on big plays and freaking out on the, in the first quarter of the game um, for, for the rest of the game. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're going to get excited. I just mean right. that they're not losing their mind in the first quarter or first half of the game, good or bad because they know there's a lot more game to play. Now they may be excited and animated, of course, and get their guys fired up and animated, but the guys who are constantly negative early in the game and, and portraying that, 
you know, the, the, the we're in trouble early in the game, then the kids start feeling, oh, we're in trouble. And I, you know, I, I would assume it would be the same in a company. If you had a bad quarter and the CEO of the company was moping around and not coming into work and acting as if the company was going under, you'd probably start filling out your resume and start looking right. for another yeah. place to go, right? So you have to portray as the leader or as the thermostat, you have to sometimes you know, maybe even fake it a little bit. You may be feeling one way, but you've got to portray that we're okay and stay focused on what the goal is and making sure that everybody does their job. And the reason that a guy like Tom Brady can walk into a room and the temperature changes because he has a history of success and he's checked all the boxes, not, not so much the, the wins, the championships. Yes, that's part of it, but he's checked all the, I've done the work boxes, right? I've earned the right for you to change your temperature when I walk in the room, because I'm not here to mess around. And my, my, my resume shows that, right. My history shows that. So, you know, either get on the boat and start paddling or get off and sink, but you're not dead weight here. And so, you know, and one, one other thing you mentioned there, Shad, it got me thinking about a, the, when you talked about being loose and, and relaxed, but also focused, I, I, there's a phrase I've used before where, you know, you want to be loose, but not silly and focused, but not tight. And there's a difference there, right? Sometimes looseness can turn into silliness and kids are goofing around and there's too much laughter and there's too much screwing off, you know, an hour or two before the game or at practice, right? When coach is talking, you probably aren't silly. Now, coach may want a loose atmosphere and hopefully he or she is fun to be around. They're telling jokes, but then there's other times you got to know, hey, this isn't you know, we can't get silly with it. We can't get out of, and the same thing with being focused. You can be focused, but you can also be so ultra focused that you actually, you actually handcuff yourself. You create mental blocks and fear. And, and if we talk to, you know, Dr. Martin on this, he'd probably explain more or sports psychologists would understand this more, but I see this in kids all the time where they get so focused that in, in the process of getting their minds, what they think and what we as their parents or coaches think is they're just getting focused. They're actually putting themselves in a position of, of tightness and, and fear. And, you know, they start the thought process, they, they, they lock up, they become robots. They're not free and natural. And like they were at practice. Why are you so good at practice, but you struggle at the game? Well, because at practice, you're just going off muscle memory, you're just playing, you're just having fun. But in the game, you're so ultra focused going into it. You have to do everything perfect that your, 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 your body doesn't just react freely. And so I think it's wise for us as parents to look at our kids and say, maybe that's why they're struggling at games. When I see them so do well at practice, maybe we need to go to the game and be having fun and goofing off and listening a little bit uh, to some fun music or something rather than being, ultra ultra focused hours before the game yeah you know I've thought of coaches that I've played for and um, I heard a conversation between well you and Max Hall and I were kind of talking after the the banquet and he was talking about things coaches yell from the sideline oh yeah you know like catch the ball right or uh, you know (laughs) tackle the guy and and, you know, Max especially was sitting there. He was kind of animated about that. Like, oh, nothing annoys me more. Do you think that guy didn't try to catch the yeah, ball? I, like he's I, had gotten, I had gotten fired up when I was giving my talk at the banquet about that, right? I said, right. when you yell out, 
tackle him. Well, what the heck did you think he was trying to do, right? Did you right. think he was trying to not tackle him? Yeah. Right. And so some of those things, like the best coaches I've played for brought the temperature to an optimal level by understanding that sports, it's inherent in sports that there's going to be failure, that one person's going to win. You know, I've often shared that example of when I struck out three times in a game and I asked my coach for advice and and yeah. the thing that he, I mean, my temperature was like, I don't know whether it was low or high, but it, it wasn't it where it should have been. Right. Like I was just like all amped up, like, man, can I even play college, college baseball here? And, and to have my coach just look at me and say, shut up. You know, <laughs> when I said, what am I doing wrong? Shut up. Like, do you think I'm stupid? And then what he said was, um, you know, this is called baseball. Sometimes, most of the time, the pitcher wins. Like, you have to be okay with that, right? And for our baseball and softball players listening out there, I mean, our best, absolute best high school baseball players are still going to get out way more than 50% of the time, Yeah. right? And so sometimes you have coaches that in moments in a game, it's like they forget that that's you know, that that's the statistics. Uh, a great high school quarterback would complete 70% of their passes, right? Yeah. yeah but that'd then, be great. Like, that's great, great. But then those 30%, the way the coaches react, sometimes it's like they expect 100%. Yeah. Right. And for me, the best coaches and the best that they understand sometimes a great basketball player is going to hit 55% of their shots. I mean, if you're shooting from three and hitting 40%, you're a great basketball player, right? And so, but some coaches, the way they act when failure happens, even though it's expected in sports, it kind of keeps that temperature. It raises the temperature. It's like a pressure cooker for their players that a guy strikes out and there's someone on second base. Well, people are going to strike out. And yes, that was a critical moment of the game. But when you're like, come on, man, hit the ball. That yeah. raises the temperature. Hit a shot. Well, I've hit 50% of my shots. Like, yeah. I'm actually having a pretty good game. And But it seems to me that one thing coaches might be able to concentrate on is what you talked about. Uh, here in Utah, Lavelle Edwards was famous, right? I mean, the ice cream flavor at the BYU Creamery is Lavelle's vanilla, right? Because he was just so, so even killed. And that was one of his strengths. And it seems to me that when that becomes most tempting for coaches to raise that temperature is when there's this play that would have been very helpful or, a, you know, an at bat or whatever that doesn't go the way that everyone hopes it will go on the team. And that moment, if we can intentionally go, okay, that moment, you know, it's going to be like, all right, get them next time. Let's go. Yeah. You know, this is baseball. Like I've heard you say a hundred times, Dustin, to quarterbacks, like, like I forget the exact saying, but you, you know, you erase that last play yeah, and it's the next one, right? You yep. clear it. Yeah. And Coaches who have the ability, parents who have the ability, players that have the ability to, to say, okay, 
that didn't go as well, but that's sports, right? And and I'm going to get them next time. Uh, it seems to me that they'll function at a more optimal temperature than those who get yeah. way up or way down when with the fluctuations of a game. Well, frustration is is um, unrealistic expectations, right? That's what makes us frustrated. So I think if our expectations are that you know, there's going to, we're going to catch some, we're going to drop some, we're going to make some, we're going to miss some. And, you know, in, in the NBA, you hear the experts talk about oftentimes after games, say it's a make and miss league. I've heard that phrase so many times this year. It's a make and miss league. In other words, everybody's running a lot of the same plays. They're all really good players. Sometimes the ball goes in and sometimes it doesn't. And the same guy who missed that shot could go make 90 of them out of a hundred if you, you know, again, I mean, it just, he happened, one of the ones he missed happened to be the one you needed to make, right? You, Steph Curry has had games where he's come out and missed over and over and over. And at the end, I love, well, I love, this would be a great, this would actually be wise, I think, for, uh, for, for parents to do with their kids in any sport. Go listen to a post-game press conference of some of the best NBA basketball players after they just lost. Like the other day, the Golden State Warriors lost the game by like 40 points to the Memphis Grizzlies. They were down by 55 at one point in the game. I mean, just got just got smoked, right? Run out of the gym. And during the press, you would think, I'm sure the fans were going home thinking or watching it on TV. were thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happened to us? We're going to lose the series. We're just awful. How could we lose by that much? But you listen to the post game. And Clay Thompson and Draymond Green and Steph Curry and these guys were almost like comic. They were laughing at it. They were like, yeah, man, we, that's not, we played so bad. That's not going to happen again, though. Like we're not worried. And they came out in the seventh, the next game, the sixth game of the series and won it. And the series was over. Right. And they beat the team and they moved on to the next round. It, you can't take the last game's score with you to the next game. So whether you won by 50 or whether you won by one, it doesn't matter. Next game, zero, zero, and you don't get to bring the other 49 points that you didn't need the night before. You have to start fresh again. And so they were, yeah, I didn't make my shots. I missed them. I'll be fine. I'll make them tomorrow. That mentality, that goldfish memory, you know, they say that goldfish have a 10 second memory, the ability to forget things and just move on. Ah, it was one of those days. But when we hold on to it, because the expectations are, I, I can never miss. I can never and to your point, Shad, I think sometimes whether or not it's the coach's fault or not, we have to understand that that kids oftentimes, uh, in fact, Allie Bills was the first who talked to me about this. And I know we've had her on our podcast and are going to have her on more, but she was a college coach, basketball coach. And she made a comment uh, at a, an event we did years ago where we had just female athletes there. And I've thought about this many, many times and it relates to men as well, I think more so now maybe than then, but she said growing up that she would coach girls differently because they were more interested in what coach or mom and dad thought of them, whether or not they were pleased or happy with them than they were on whether or not necessarily the, the, what the score indicated. In other words, if they, if they made a mistake they were more interested in did it make coach mad than they were. And did the mistake lead to the other team dribbling down and getting a shot off. Right. And so if you yelled at it, she was very aware that the women that she was coaching, if, if she yelled at them, they would be more upset that hurt that they felt that she was disappointed in them than that 
you know, that they, that, that they made the mistake, right. Or that and where awesome boys would, or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah. you know, I think a lot of our kids are actually this way. I don't think it's just women. I think a lot of our kids are, it's they're they get hurt more that we, they're, we see their, or they see that we're disappointed in them than necessarily that they messed up the play. And so, you know, changing our own temperature, understanding that, Hey, I got to be, I got to explain it to this, my son or daughter differently than my other son and daughter. Cause all they're going to see is my body language here. All they're going to interpret is the tone of my voice. You know, what kind of, whether I have fire coming out of my eyes or not, it doesn't matter what I say. It's only the way I say it. That's, and, and that's probably the case for a lot of people, but you know, um, not playing not to lose is very important. Not playing not to get pulled, playing to win, playing to stay on the field. But when we're playing not to get pulled, looking at coach, worried what coach is thinking, or playing not to get in trouble by mom or dad because they're going to get mad at us when we go home because we didn't play well, that's the quickest way to ruin a kid is you get him playing not to do, not to make a mistake rather than just playing free and doing his thing and the temperature changers on the team or in the family or in the, the company, whatever we're talking about, that are the positive temperature changers, them knowing that, Hey, you're that person, you're the glue, you keep us together. So in these moments of panic, you got to keep it together. You got to be the voice of reason and of calmness and bringing people together and, you know, tell a joke. And the, I've told a lot of quarterbacks. In fact, the, the story is Joe Montana in the Super Bowl. This is a faint, this is old. I mean, this is back in the eighties when they beat the Bengals, I believe in the Super Bowl. Um, they have to go on that last minute drive. Joe Montana throws one of those famous, most epic passes in the back of the end zone to his tight end. It's Clark. He goes up and grabs it. It's you see it all the time, but on that drive, they had to go like 80 yards and there was only a couple minutes left in the game. And during this TV timeout, all of his teams together and they were all all their eyes were big and they were, this is the Super Bowl. We got to go the whole length of the field. And the story goes that Joe Montana looked over into the, on the sideline and saw that John Candy, the old actor, he passed away several years ago, but he was on the sideline and Joe Montana said, Hey, isn't that John Candy over there? That's cool. John Candy's at the game. Look, that's John Candy. And he like got the whole team to look over there and notice this actor, this comedian that was on the sideline. I didn't know he was here, like totally changed the mood of the huddle. And then he got back to, all right, here we go. Look, we've done this a million times. Make your plays, catch the ball, make your blocks. We're good. Let's go win a game. And then he drove him down the field and threw a touchdown in the back of the end. Instead of in the huddle, freaking out, everybody focused, don't look anywhere. Look, eyes on everybody right here. Like we got to, and just getting everybody so worked up. Um, he was a temperature changer and he knew the temperature in that huddle needed to be brought down a little bit. They needed, they were too, they were focused, but they were tight. Yeah. Right. So the focus looseness is what you want loose, but not silly focused, but not tight. And he realized they'd crossed over into the tight realm. And so he needed to get loosen it up a little bit. And the, the best leaders have the ability to gauge that and then change it if necessary. You know, that brings up our, eyes up, do the work, you know, eyes up, you need to gauge the temperature and then do the work to adjust the temperatures, your team too yeah. high is your team too low. And one of the things that I think could really keep a, an individual or a team at a, a good constant level is by concentrating on the things that are controllable. Um, and we talk about this mm -hmm. often, attitude and effort, you yeah. know, 
Um, every now and then, just the way a football game starts, to use that as an example, or a basketball game, you know, I've played in some games where it's like you go out and they hit their first five three pointers, you know, and all of a sudden you're down 18 to four. And a coach calls a timeout, and there's, you know, the ones that have the ability to go, guys, they aren't going to hit, they aren't going to go 20 for 20 from three point. Like, and, and if and if they did, you were going to lose the game no matter how you no play. matter what. They, it's just one of those nights. They right. just were red hot. It happens. Yep. So keep supporting each other. Attitude. Keep playing hard. This is going to even out. It's okay. Yeah. We've been missing our shots. They've been hitting theirs. It's all going to even out. You just keep attitude and effort. You just keep working. Those yeah. controllables keep everyone on an even kill. You know what? If they have a night, like you said, that they shoot 25 from 30 from three, uh, tip your hat. They won. Yeah. Guess what? They aren't going to do that next time. That yeah. Golden State example is a great example. Yeah. They beat us by 50 tonight. You really think they're going to beat us by 50 tomorrow? No. Like, let's yeah. let's go out. We'll get them tomorrow. And So just that sometimes we're so – outcome oriented as coaches as parents or even with ourselves that we look and we judge the wrong things and we get up or we get down because of outcomes whereas if we would just think about the controllables it keeps it at a good even temperature so any closing thoughts Dustin no I love that I just again I think to a degree we're all thermostats at times and so I you know I guess going back to the very first comment I made it's probably good for everybody. And as adults, we can do this, but to our kids and players, we probably need to help them recognize this is to do some self-reflection and ask ourselves, you know, which one am I? And is there a possibility that I'm the, am I the, do I make the room colder? Does my negativity or my pessimism make the room colder? And if so, then, you know, make a goal to try to do some things to, to fix that because I think that, you know, at, all, at, at times we do, and we, we bring other troubles that we might be dealing with out of work into work or, or, you know, off the field to the field or whatever. Um, and that's where talking to a teammate and say, Hey, I'm struggling. So the teammate can help you is important, but, you know, being careful to not be the negative uh, problem for every solution person in the room and, and then lean on the thermostats. If, if you're, if I, hey, I'm not the thermostat today. I'm just an adjust to the temperature guy today. My tank's half empty right now. I don't have a lot in it. So, you know, I'm going to lean on the guys who are the thermostats and, and let them hopefully bring me up um, and be humble enough to do that. I think that's the key. Well, hey, Dustin, thanks, man. Great, great thoughts. So go out and be a thermostat for good and keep your eyes up and do the work. This has been the Sportlight Podcast from Especially for Athletes, sponsored by Coca-Cola. You can learn more about Especially for Athletes by visiting the website at especiallyforathletes.org. You can also learn more about the book, The Sportlight, by Shad Martin and Dustin Smith at especiallyforathletes.org book.